So who has seen the film Annie or the musical Annie? Great. There's a lot of you. Uh, who's seen the older one with the redhead Annie? Great. Who's seen the newer one with the brown head Annie? Yeah, great. I got a picture of both of them. There they are. Look at that. So uh, Annie is uh, one of the, my favorite films when I was a kid because in my family, when I was growing up, we had a television, but the TV would always just live in the cupboard and it would only ever come out during the Olympic Games or during the Commonwealth Games. And so when my sister and I would go to my grandparents' place, uh, they had like a few uh, movies that they'd recorded off TV, like on VCR, like, you know, cassettes, if you remember them, VHS cassettes. And then... Uh, They'd, I don't know, I said remember them. Do you remember them? Do they even, ex yeah. do they even yeah. exist when you were born? Yeah, they were there. Yeah, they were there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so we had them, and uh, we, there were only a few. So we would um, we'd kind of just cycle our way through the same ones all the time. And it was always really exciting, though, because we never got to watch anything at home. So when we were at my grandparents, we would watch as much as possible. So I watched a lot of Sleeping Beauty. I watched a lot of bed knobs and broomsticks, and I watched a lot of Annie. And uh, Annie, funnily enough, the more I have thought about it while preparing for these talks, Annie is somewhat, I think, of a picture of this passage in Romans 8. And let me tell you why. To start off with, uh, Annie and her friends, they're in an orphanage. Annie has been left there by her parents. Uh, and uh, she's waiting for them to come back and get her. And she's dreaming of this new life that she might have with them, and she's dreaming about what her parents might be like. She's saying that, like, somewhere out there, maybe they are, you know, fixing a tie or playing the piano or paying a bill, or what are they going to be like? She's dreaming of what this new life could be like for her. But her current life is really difficult. She has a... What kind of life? She has, yeah, she has a hard knock life. And her and her fellow orphans, they just have to clean up the, the orphanage for their drunk Miss Hannigan who is, looks after the orphanage. She'll get them up in the middle of the night and make them clean and they sing about what a hard knock life they have. And eventually Annie gets found uh, by uh, the famous rich... Daddy Warbucks, yeah. Daddy Warbucks, who is a billionaire who's made all his money selling weapons to the American government because Annie is actually a, a comment on war profiteering. No, it's not really, but it's true <laughs> that that's how he made his money because what's his name? Mr. Warbucks. How else did he get his money? Anyway, so Mr. Warbucks brings Annie into the family and she hangs out with rich daddy Warbucks and then, you know, after all these things happen, she has the perfect life in the end. So, that is Romans chapter 8, or this bit of Romans chapter 8, because, let me show you. So the first thing is that they, Annie sings about her hard knock life. And you know what? We have a hard knock life, don't we? Life is not easy for us. Uh, when you read this passage, uh, it shows us what actually our life can be like, what this world is like. Uh, and if you look in, uh, where is it? 
verse 19, you'll see that it talks a bit about what life is like here for us. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Oh, that's 18. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So we are in a situation where we are living in this world and things are not right. When you look at the world, you see that things are broken, that the world is subject to decay or in bondage to decay. It's, in subject, it's subject to death and things in this world aren't working the way they should be. There is sickness in this world. There is death in this world. There is brokenness in this world. Life is not the way it's meant to be and we dream of something better. We dream of a better life. Now, Annie and her friends, they were put in the orphanage not because they put themselves there, but the truth of the Bible is that we are the ones who mucked up this world. We are the ones who made it the way it is. The Bible tells us that because of our sin, the things that we have done, uh, the world is the way it is. And a lot of the issues with the world are actually caused by us, by humans. So we're like, oh man, our life is tough. But really a lot of the problem of the world is actually our problem. The things that we have done. One of my chores at home is to do the dishes. That's my job. And often I'll come home and I'll look at the dishes and I will see like a week's worth of dishes. I'm like, oh my goodness, there are so many dishes. I don't want to do all those dishes. That's so, this is the worst. My life is so hard. And then I'm there and I'm washing the dishes and like the, the, the food is like caked on and like Tuesday's wheat bix are kind of stuck there. I'm like, oh man, my life sucks so bad. This is terrible. But you know what? They're my wheat bix. I made the mess. I made the dishes. It was all me. I did, you know, well, me and my wife. But, you know, it was us that did it. It's not like it happened to us. We were like, you know, like we had a natural disaster of dishes. No, it was, it was all my fault. And the truth is that this world, a lot of the problems with this world are because of us. We are the ones that break our relationships with others. We are the ones that hurt other people. We are the ones that are selfish. We are the ones that lie. We're... Nigel's just waving at me. <laughs> oh, hello. Can we all wave at whoever's on the FaceTime? Hey! <laughs> uh, right. Anyway, we are, we're the ones that have caused it. And even the fact that the world has been subject to decay, that the, the issues with the world, the, the natural disasters, the Bible tells us that these things are because God, uh, when, he, when we sinned against Him, that when that this broke not just our relationship with each other, not just our relationship with God, but also broke our relationship with the natural world. So the world itself is crying out. And the world itself is saying, when will this end? When are things going to be put right? And we, like Annie, we're dreaming of a better life. 
the great thing is that the Bible tells us there is a better life for us, that we can also be adopted, that we can have this adoption, and this adoption means that there are blessings for us now and there are blessings for us in the future. So the blessings for us that are now, if you have a look uh, in verse 14, then we see the beginning of what this has for us, what God's adoption for us has. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought, you, brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Oh, I read more than it's up there, but that's okay. What this is saying is that when we get saved by Jesus, we don't just get a new life, but we also get a new family. Because we get adopted into God's family. God becomes our father. Now, people often talk about how, you know, we're all God's children, but that's not really technically right. There is a bit in Acts where it says that we are all God's offspring, that everyone is, you know, comes from the creative work of God, but only some of us, those who get saved by Jesus, get to be the actual children of God. And there are lots of blessings that we get, lots of perks that we get from being children of God. One is that we get the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit tells us that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, you are a son or a daughter of God. He is your father. And then the Holy Spirit makes it so that we can talk to God anytime we want. It says here that uh, we say to him, Abba, Father. This word Abba is kind of like saying Daddy or Dada, meaning that we can speak to him however we want, whenever we want, about whatever we want. Now, that's a pretty amazing thing to think about because it's pretty hard to access some people in the world. Like if you wanted to talk to Malcolm Turnbull, you couldn't cry Malky and he would listen to you because he's a busy man. He's got a lot to do. But here we have the God of the universe, the one who is the creator of the world, the one who created every part of the universe, the stars that are shining billions of years away, God is making sure that they keep shining. This earth that is spinning around the sun, God is making sure that it keeps spinning around the sun. You and I, we are existing and staying on this planet because it's God's will to do that. And he is making sure that, that is happening. And that God who is busy sustaining the entire universe wants to hear from you at any point in time. And you can speak to him as your father. That's pretty amazing. Like, for me, I'm pretty happy that I just have an earthly father who wants to hear from me, that I can call him at any time and speak to him. That feels pretty good. I could even call him right now and he'd probably talk to me. In fact, I'm going to call him right now. Let's call my dad. Do you guys want to call my dad? We don't have to. Do you want to call my dad? All right, let's call my dad. Hopefully. Here we go. Let's see. Oh. oh, his name's John. John, John French, yeah. All right, I'm going to put him on speaker, so you'll have to be quiet. Here we go. Can you hear it? 
Oh, the mic. Hello, Tom. It's your mother, not your father. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Hi. <laughs> Ah, she's gonna get in. I know a mother is not the same as a father. I may have, I may have organised this beforehand. All right. Can you? Are you getting? Are you getting him? Oh yeah, yeah. Here's your father. Hola. Hi, hi, Dad. How's it going? How are you going? Oh, I'm going well. Oh, Lovely to hear you. <laughs> it's good to hear you too. Uh, so I just um, wanted to prove that I can call you at any time and that my mother would pick up, so... <laughs> oh dear, yes. Well, any jokes? Oh yeah. Do you want me to, I can tell you a joke. Uh, uh, yes. Alright, what do you call a cow with two legs? Lean beef. <laughs> Lean beef. <laughs> right, okay. Do you, do, you want a, do you want another one that's not going to be spoiled? Okay, you ready? There was, there was a man who went to the doctor's surgery and he had a strawberry growing out of his face. And the doctor said, I've got some cream you should put on that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, strawberries and cream, that's it. All right, I think, I think I'm going to go now before it gets any worse. But um, thanks for taking my call and for listening right. to me talking about stupid jokes. Yeah, call me anytime, Tom. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Everyone say goodbye. Bye! Bye, everybody! All right, so that was my dad. <laughs> and uh, the great thing is that I can call him at any time Probably within reason, he, he sleeps pretty well, so he would probably not wake up if I called him at 3 a.m. But the promise of the Bible here is that we can talk to our, earthly fa- uh, our heavenly father at any time, which is great, because my earthly father, as, as good as he is, he's, he can't hear me all the time. He can't, he can't do anything for me all the time. And at some point, he's not even going to be here anymore. But our heavenly father... He always wants to hear from us. And our earthly fathers may not always be that good, but our heavenly father is always good, always listening, always caring, and we can bring anything to him. And so we have the Holy Spirit who is saying to us, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. You should talk to him. Tell him how you're going. Tell him what's going on. He wants to hear from you. And this is really important because as we face this life, This life where we suffer, whether we've caused it or other people are causing it, as we face this life, we need to be able to call out to Him. We need to be able to call out to Him and know that He is there, that He loves us, that He wants to hear from us. What's more, sometimes we may worry that when we speak to Him, we might think, we've got to talk to Him right. We've got to make sure we get it all right. We've got to make sure we have all the right words. I don't know how much you stress about saying the right things to, to God, but sometimes people do that. I know I do that sometimes. I'm like, is my prayer theologically correct? Have I said a prayer that you know, fits in with what God has said in the Bible? Do, am I praying so that you know, I understand you know, how God's will works and my will works together and that I'm not trying to ask for something that's not 
quite right, because if I get the wrong thing said, if I say something that's not biblical, God will be like, no, not listening. I've already said everything in the Bible. If you get it wrong, I'm not going to listen to you. But that's not how he relates to us. Have a look at uh, verse 26 and 27. This is what it says. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And what that is saying is that when we cry out to God and say, Abba, Father, we can say whatever we want, and the Holy Spirit will hear what we are saying and take our words to God so that we say exactly what we need to say to God. So he hears what we are saying and so he can translate our words. Because whatever we say is going to be imperfect, but we have a perfect spirit who brings our words before a perfect God. He intercedes for us. When my father and I and the rest of our family were in Guatemala, uh, we uh, sometimes had issues with the, uh, with the language. But one day my dad and I went to McDonald's because they're like, Macca's is easy. Anyone can do Macca's. We should be fine. So we went to Guatemalan McDonald's tried to speak Spanish and it didn't work at all. We started ordering and the first person was like, I don't understand what you're saying. And so called over like someone else and they both stared at us and we were trying to order and then that didn't work. So they called someone else over and they three people stared at us. Eventually there were five of them, including the manager, all staring at us. And my dad was saying, McTasty, e salada, e ugo, e ugo, e Ugo, e Ugo. He was trying to say he wants a McTasty and a salad and a juice. That's what he's trying to say, but they just couldn't understand it. I was no help at all. I was just saying my entire Spanish vocabulary, which was "si Coca-Cola, si Coca-Cola," because I wanted Coke. Eventually, we got our meal. And they gave it to us, and we realized they'd given it to us on a tray, and we wanted takeaway. So we then spent ages trying to communicate that we just wanted a paper bag. And then someone was like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 come with me. And so they took us uh, around and to this spot where there was a lot of sauce, and then pumped some sauce into a little cup, and then gave it to us. And we're like, thanks. Did not want a paper cup of sauce, but thanks. And so then we ate there, and then we left. We're like, we can't do this. But sometimes... Uh, my brother-in-law, who is Guatemalan, was with us, and then he would translate what we wanted to say, and he, we could order anything on the menu. We could go in, and we could, we could say, oh, I don't know what that is, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, that's that, and we're like, great, order that, and then he'd order it for us. Anything we wanted, he would translate our desires. And the great thing is the Holy Spirit knows our hearts, and he knows God's heart, and he works in between us. He intercedes for us so that he presents our requests to God so that they are perfect. So you might not even know what to say to God. You might not even know what you need. You might not even know what you want. But you can cry out to God and He will hear it perfectly because the Holy Spirit is there interceding for us. You can just be like, ah! And the Holy Spirit will like, Tom is stressed. <laughs> and what he really needs is some patience. And also he needs help loving the people around him. And God will be like, great, I can do that. Get on it, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come back and then start working on it. Because we, this is part of the blessings of being part of God's family. We have a God we can cry out to at any time. And He wants to hear from us. Now, it's not just, though, that there are blessings for us now. There are also blessings in the future. 
uh, blessings from this, uh, this adoption. So the blessings that we have to come, uh, if we keep looking at the passage, we can see some more. So we go to verse 22, uh, it tells us this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruit to the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is saying that one day God is going to put everything right. One day God is going to fix everything and one day we're going to fully step into our adoption. We're going to be fully uh, brought into God's family so we get all the blessings of being one of God's children. But you might notice there that it talks about sonship. And some of you might think, that seems a little bit sexist to me. Why is it that I get adopted as a son? Or maybe only sons get adopted. But this is important here. It's important that it calls us sons at this point, that we get adopted to sonship. Because while the Bible is not being sexist, uh, the society that the Bible was written in was a society that was not that good for women. So women were often treated as second-class citizens or, or treated as property. Uh, women uh, were not allowed to get a full inheritance. The way that inheritance worked uh, in those days is that there was the firstborn, most important son, who would probably get about two-thirds of the inheritance, and then all the other sons would get the rest, and then the eldest son was meant to then look after daughter, sisters and daughters, all those people. And so the women wouldn't get everything, anything, and the men were meant to look after the women. But what this is saying is that if you get brought into God's family, whether you are a man or a woman, whether you're male or female, you all get brought into sonship. All of you become as most important children. And if you noticed in the passage, it says that you become co-heirs with Christ. That this is not just some little inheritance that you get. You become a brother or sister of Jesus Christ. Now, if there's anyone in the world who should be getting God's most important inheritance, it's Jesus, and we get to share in it with Jesus. That is amazing. Uh, my little sister uh, is adopted, and this uh, photo was taken on the day that her adoption went through. Uh, as you can say, see, that, that's me on the end, and I was, had an excellent haircut. And my, my, little sister is, my little sister is the baby there, and then... There's my mom and dad and sister and grandmother. Anyway, she is adopted. And when she was adopted and she came to our family, it wasn't as if my older sister and I were like, oh, here she comes, rubbish little kid, <laughs> like stealing our inheritance. And we were like, ugh, we just ignore her. No, we're like, great, we've got another sister. We welcomed her into the family. But What's more, my parents didn't treat her as a second-class child. They weren't like, oh, the adopted one? Well, she can sleep in the shed. Don't like her. No, they, they welcomed her in. She got all the blessings of being a born child of my parents, a blood child of my parents. They changed their will so that she got the same inheritance that my sister, my older sister and I got. And that's the promise that the Bible has for us, that we get 
this same inheritance that Jesus gets. Now, you might think, yeah, great, inheritance, that's really exciting, as if God's ever going to die. We're not going to get anything. That's rubbish inheritance. (laughs) But the promise of the Bible is that the inheritance that we get is God himself. Now, if God died, then that would be a rubbish inheritance. But he doesn't die. He never dies. He's always there, and he's fully for us. He is all for us. He doesn't withhold himself for us, and one day we'll get to fully experience him in eternity. But what's more, the promise of the Bible is that God is going to remake this world. This creation is all his, and we are the inheritors of this creation. That we'll get to experience all of the creation as God's children. This is great, because we now are crying out for this world to be put right. And when the world is put right, we'll be able to experience all of it as it was meant to be. You know, the the bit uh, that we saw before, where it talked about uh, creation, it said it's groaning as in the pains of childbirth. And there is some pain in the world, or most of the pain in the world, it achieves nothing. Like the other day, I walked into a stack of chairs. I didn't mean to, but I did. I hit my pelvis just here, and it hurt for like a week. It achieved nothing. I just had a sore pelvis for a week until it healed itself. Most pain is like that. If you break your leg, it hurts a lot until it gets better, and then your leg is the same as it was before you hurt it. But there is some pain that achieves something, and there's the pain of childbirth, which I don't know anything about. But I, what I do know is that, one, that it's painful, but at the end of it, that there is joy. Because it has a purpose, and there is a baby born at the end. There is new life at the end. Well, we are going through pains now. We are groaning now. This creation is groaning now, but at the end of it, there is joy. Because God is going to put everything right. He's going to heal this broken world. He's going to heal us broken people. And all of us will get to step into the real blessings of being God's children, with Him as our inheritance and all of creation as our playground, with Christ as our brother, fully knowing what it means to be fully known and fully loved by God. That is the great blessing that we have to look forward to as God's adopted children in His new family. How about I pray for us? Father God, thank you that you are so good to us. Thank you that the things that we go through now are nothing compared to the glory that you have for us. I pray for anyone here who is suffering now that they will know that they can turn to you, that they can cry out to you. I pray that you will be working in each of us to be people who put our trust in you, And look forward to the time when you put everything right. Amen.